I'm dedicated to being uncomfortable because I can't, I can't heal in life. It's also very Jewish of me, but I just, I can't heal otherwise, you know, like I, <laughs> if I'm not, if I'm not willing to be confronted or, and loved, it's uncomfortable to be loved in certain ways. It's uncomfortable, you know, all of that stuff. Like I have to be okay with being, um, being challenged and to, to also try to find a way to be compassionate with myself through those challenges. And so you know, for anyone who's who's wanting to use this practice as a tool for their own liberation and healing, it's like not, you don't want to check out of the work we have to do, but we also don't want to pathologize ourselves or each other because of it. I'm Autumn Brown, a queer science fiction writer, a theologian, a mother of dragons, and a healing justice facilitator for social movements living in rural Minnesota. And I'm Adrienne Marie Brown author of Emergent Strategy, co-editor of Octavia's Brood, writer, facilitator of Black liberation work, auntie extraordinaire, doula, and pleasure activist living in Detroit. And this is How to Survive the End of the World, our podcast about learning from apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. Hello, beautiful listeners. I'm this is Adrian, and I just want to give you a little heads up about this episode we're heading into. We are um, about to interview Chani Nicholas, who is an incredible astrologer with a particularly radical framework on how she reads the stars and how she translates them to us and helps us understand what we need to be paying attention to. Um, and I wanted to offer our Octavia Butler quote for this episode and it is our destiny is to take root amongst the stars and I think there's a lot of ways of reading this quote um I have definitely read it as you know let's leave our planet and go off into the stars and and at other times oh wait this is our planet how do we take root on this planet that is amongst the stars um and for today it feels like how do we take root amongst the wisdom and the um, the sort of alignment and patterns of the stars and what they have to teach us about being in right relationship with ourselves, understanding what the rhythms of challenge and rhythms of movement and growth are in our lives. So um, thanks, Octavia, for pointing us in the right direction. And Chani is going to carry us on this journey. Enjoy. This is an episode that we have... Um, basically teased you listeners with um, for since last year. We knew that we were going to get this episode. We are so excited that it's finally here. We are recording with Chani Nicholas, the people's astrologer. <laughs> um, and Chani, um, we're going to get to hear a lot from her about her actual story and how she kind of came into this work. Um, but both of us, we wanted to just get a moment for each of us to kind of gush um, about how amazing Chani is. Um, so I'll just say I started reading your horoscopes. Um, it feels like two years ago now that it became like a, a regular practice in my life. And I want to say you did a course called calling in the love you need. That was a groundbreaking, groundbreaking course oh, for yes. me around learning what my chart had to say about patterns of love in my life 
and what to be careful for. And it's really transformed um, my love life and how met I feel in literally every day. I'm just like, I feel so loved. And um, so I just want to thank you for that. That's my my opening gush. Autumn, do you have a gush, a little gush? Yeah, I mean, like more more with the vagina metaphors always. Um, no, I have like, I, I, I actually started reading the, um, I think Adrian, you introduced me to Chani's horoscopes and um, so started reading them right around the same time. And it also, it for, sort of felt like this like upswell moment where um, you, me, and like all these folks in our shared community, we had, we, it's, it felt like we all discovered you, Chani, at the same time. Um, and, and similarly, Calling in the Love You Need was the first um, class of yours that I took. And actually, and it was the first, be, through that class was the first time that I ever um, went through the process of getting my birth chart. Um, and I, so I actually still have like, on my computer, I still have my chart saved in a folder called Calling in the Love You Need, <laughs> along with the, along with my partner's chart and all three of my children's birth charts. Um, I remember, I, you remember, right, that I was like, I was emailing you being like, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And then finally you wrote back and you were like, I don't know that you should be reading too much into Siobhan's chart just yet, but you know, so here's some things that it might, that might mean. Um, so I, and I really sense in that in that opening interaction with you one of the things that was so beautiful was that it was clear that you have a lot of experience holding people through their initial awakening in the experience of of working with their astrology um and working with their chart and like holding people through that process and one of the things that I really love about your classes is that every class no matter um, no matter the level at which the class is operating, you always welcome people as though they're showing up for the first time and help them orient to the fact that the information can be so overwhelming at first. And so I really felt like you were sort of like had your arm around my shoulder going through that first class together. And that was um, really helped me orient to like this Yes, this information can be overwhelming in how true it is. And also, it doesn't have to be terrifying. And terror is not the place from which we want to be interacting with our astrology necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome into this love fest, Chani. Um, we adore you. And we are, we feel very like, oh, we're the, we're standing in for a lot, a lot of other people who adore you. And so hopefully this will give a lot of people a chance to just get to to hear you and know you in a new way. Um, so we're going to jump into some questions for you. Um, the first one is just for our listeners who are not familiar with astrology as a, as a practice, as a system, um, can you talk about why humans turn to the stars and planets and their movements for wisdom and guidance? That's such a great question. Thanks. Autumn came up with it. <laughs> I think that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, good. Um, I think that uh, in the like pre-technology, that we as human beings, no matter what systems we developed culturally, um, regionally, that we as through the development of our consciousness and conscious awareness of ourselves and our place in the world, 
we seem to have been kind of globally always in conversation with the natural world and in terms of looking to it for any kind of wisdom or reflection. And so those cultures that had access to the sky and to, you know, great uh, amounts of time to like study and make sense of or try to be in conversation with what uh, the planets were doing um, developed this rapport over long stretches of time. And so I think we were always trying to understand correlation you know like that like there the moon moves like that people's bodies menstruate like this there's a correlation there what could that mean that and then you know of developing meaning and mathematics and language and art through and the understanding of correlation or the deer run like this or the water runs like this and so I think that we were up until very recently, really developed most of our understanding of self and other and placement and meaning and uh, and healing through just that that observation and relationship. Mm. That's so beautiful. <clears throat> I was just thinking about that, about, um, you know, because I live really rurally. Um, which means that, and now, and now that I've lived yeah. here for long enough, my, my own, um, moon cycle has synced up with the moon in a really interesting way. So I, mm-hmm. um, I always begin bleeding just a couple of days after the full moon. Um, and it's a very, mm. it, it's, it's, and I know that it's not necessarily the sync up that would have typically happened maybe a hundred years ago or 200 years ago. Um, but that's the way my cycle has synced mm-hmm. to my natural environment. And it was really interesting to realize, you know, mm-hmm. that, that that had actually happened in my body. This thing that I had read about happening in, you know, <laughs> uh, pre-industrial societies was actually happening in my body. Now it was really mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, so uh, mm-hmm. another question that we wanted to ask you, um, I remember when I started reading your horoscopes um, that I was really startled by and smitten by your razor sharp ability to really directly link astrology to the work of liberation and social justice. Um, and I know that that was mm-hmm. a, a shared interest of mine and Adrian's and your work um, since we're both organizers and both work in movements wondering if you could talk a bit about your politicization, your own politicization and the path that you've walked around making that connection between political work and astrological work. Um, and maybe if you could also get into some of the challenges that you encounter as someone who's bringing an intersectional and social justice lens to your astrological practice and to your spiritual practice. Mm. Yeah, so I... Um, you know, grow being, I'm 42. So I always say this, but like, I, you know, being a young adult, I didn't have the internet, (laughs) you know, around 1920. Like I, I, I always felt like I was, I was really obsessed with, with feminism and intersectionality and, and the politics of identity and astrology. And those were two things that you didn't just, you couldn't just like, you know, get on your phone and look up that you had to really like search for that info. You didn't just like, like bell hooks wasn't just like, you know, something you stumbled across. You had to like search, you had to go to the feminist bookstores. You had to go to these places that, and, and it wasn't just, 
as readily, you know, just in the the kind of the popular culture. And so I was lucky enough to find this program in Toronto. It It's college there, which is more like... Um, uh, it's like a two-year program post high school, but it was called Assaulted Women's and Children's Counselor Advocate back then. So basically it was like like lesbian finishing school or like Feminism 101. <laughs> so it was like this very small, <laughs> it was like this very small cohort of people. They were basically training us in feminist wow. counseling. So I, on my usually on my website and stuff, I say feminist counseling because it was about, you know, working with folks that have um, mostly have survived domestic violence situations, but really was about deconstructing uh, patriarchy and toxic masculinity and identity. And it was this really small cohort of a really diverse group of students. They, um, they didn't let in any cis men. And so, uh, so it was just, it was like us. And then the, the, uh, the, the facilitators were all, you know, they had been in the movement, they had been community organizers for years and years and years. And so at the age of 20, I got really politicized. Um, and even before that, you know, my my uh, stepsister was really um, into it. And she kind of introduced me into the the world of uh, politics and feminism in my in my like late teenage years. And so <clears throat> that gave me my my grounding and my foundation. And then, you know, I had been studying astrology since I was 12 um, and was developing my (laughs) my, developing my interest and my knowledge in that and so I would go to school and be like and we you know every all of our classes were in a circle and all of our classes were you know um, teaching to transgress (laughs) and uh, and so I would be like so it's a new moon today and I would be teaching everyone about their astrology Um, so I can look back to that time and it was never you know those were those are two facets of me that I never thought of separating. That's, oh. um, you know, and so like when I when I chose to put my energy into the astrology because I I really um, denied it for a really long time. It was always there, but I didn't think of it as a profession or th- something that I should make a profession. Um, when I when I put my energy back into it, I thought, well, no one's going to read this because nobody that's interested. Uh, nobody that's like politically active or like you know doing community work I, I for some reason I was like I wasn't integrated into the communities in a way that I was like no one's gonna want no one from that community is gonna want to read about astrology because it's it's not you know applicable in an, in a in an activist kind of way and nobody that's interested in astrology is ever gonna want to hear about mm-hmm. my politics so I'll just write for myself <laughs> and you know like I had just learned about blog spots yeah. and so like, I had this blog spot with a really awkward name <laughs> and I was like I just felt this total compulsion to put it out into the world and just for myself it was just a it was just an exercise for me because I felt like I couldn't I couldn't hold what I was learning about both things any longer without trying to formulate it into mm. something and I've always loved writing um, and so it all just kind of it came together but I thought I never ever ever thought anyone would ever like it or or want to share it that was the furthest thing from my mind it was really just to kind of keep myself are you saying are you saying Chani <laughs> that there's an ancient place like an ancient Ooh. archive on the internet <laughs> no I took earliest. it down it's so bad the writing was are so bad oh my god it was just like <laughs> me vomiting on the internet 
I can't believe anybody that loved me let okay, me do that. Hey, that's how but, we um, learn. <laughs> Public vomiting yeah, no. is one of the main ways we learn. <laughs> yes. 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 That's right. That's right. Yes. Um, so yeah, I never, I just, I just wasn't, I'm not, I'm not a very, I'm not good at like lying. I'm not good at being dishonest. I'm not good at not being just me, which gets me into a lot of trouble a lot of the times, but um, I was never interested in doing anything that wasn't totally interesting to me because as we all know, doing this kind of work, it's like you do it for free for a really long time and you 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 put all your hours and life energy into it. So I was only going to do something because it was it was helping me. And I really, you know, I write to heal myself. That's mm. what I do. So when, you know, like all of us, like when something happens in the world and it, it gets something in us gets activated, the wound, the whatever part of it we're holding or part of I like I need to I need to express it in some way I have to say it um and that's you know part of being you know the kind of way I grew up and the family that I was in it was like no one spoke about anything so to me it's like I have to speak on the thing when it's appropriate for me to do so um that is the wound that is that we're all you know connected to and part of and have a piece of um so that's where I come from in in terms of that work it's like the it's all the same like the astrology speaking to our human experience and our human experience is never 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 separate from how we live within the structures that have been set up for us and so how do we can we heal in these like how is that possible like where's the possibility but that the possibility can't ever arise if we don't address and bring to consciousness what is harming right. us and each other right oh I love it and I love so that's the, where I'm always going I wow. love the way you speak about the inner connectivity that's like oh each of us has a specific piece or so a specific thread or a specific wisdom um, that we're supposed to be bringing in and kind of weaving into this larger picture. Um, and, you know, I want to say that you're someone who, you know, I had been reading astrology for years. I had been reading, um, you know, like I remember Rob Bresney. I remember like, you know, um, mm -hmm. in the Village Voice back in the day, and it would be like, I got a physical copy and I would take it home and kind of be like, what is going uh. on in my life? And um, and I remember, remember, remember physical, physical copies of things. Like, it's so cool. Like throwback. Anyway. So it was like, um, you know, part of a, a weekly ritual. Right. And I still will go check for mm -hmm. what is he saying? Um, but I remember feeling like, you know, kind of bouncing around, like looking for different astrologers and, um, and then I feel like what you did was you made astrology so much more accessible to so many more people. Um, and it feels like your particular mm. thing that you're weaving in is like, oh, this can be an interconnected thing to our political lives. But I'm curious mm -hmm. for you, like who are your favorite astrologers? And you can speak here to ancestral mm. astrologers, like who kind of wove yeah. in pieces that kind of drew you in? And then who are other astrologers that are living and working and doing readings and horrible horoscopes now that you um you are in conversation with and that you admire yeah so I work with I have a teacher I'm really into lineages Yay. and um 
Yeah, <laughs> super. Um, and so I I work with a t- my teacher is Demetra George, who I talk about a lot. And oh yeah, she is like the. I, I'll try not to cry. But you can <laughs> cry a, on the show, Channing. She's yeah, right. I know. <laughs> we I do make everybody All else cry. Space. So safe space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so she's she's a, a she is studying with her is like as you both have studied with masters as well it's like when you study with someone who's devoted their entire life to a knowledge system or a way of being it's like she's like an encyclopedia of an encyclopedia like I'll ask her a question about we're studying one piece tiny we're studying one tiny piece of a giant section that belongs within seven other sections and then she'll like move to the left a little bit and open up an entire different system of knowledge just like like an accordion just opens up and she can pull out anything and she you know she's uh she's just extraordinary and I think that in a lot of ways because you know she's in her I think she's in her early 70s and so she grew up you know in and out of a lot of the the, a lot the a lot of the astrological community before the internet and before like social media specifically was really it's really like any other academic thing it's really male white male cis had normative dominated and I think that you know specifically her um I don't ever think she's gotten the kind of props and the recognition that she totally deserves so she is an incredible source of knowledge and she painstakingly unpacks things you know with her students um in a way that I feel is so generous and so generative and she teaches me how to be a student she always like she always asks me questions she asks she asks she'll uh, we'll unpack something like we study ancient texts together so they're very awkward and like strangely worded and they're not very fluent they're not very easy to work with and so you know we'll unpack like a sentence and then she'll ask me multiple questions not because she's trying to necessarily lead me somewhere but she's just really curious about what I might think about the thing that we're studying and so she's always looking with me at something and not and then also able to like hold the whole thing for me as we're looking at it um so studying with her is like an event you know it's like a it's her wonderment and her excitement like today we were we were just I just had a session with her this morning and we were talking about the houses which is like one of the you know foundational pieces of astrology and we we only got through a couple of them and she you know at the end of it she kind of giggled and she was like I just find this all so fascinating (laughs) like she has like there's no loss of of awe or wonder about her craft and it's it um she's just an incredible force so she's my ultimate and then you know there's so many there's you know uh there's a someone called Chris Brennan who has something called the astrology podcast and he has tons and tons of astrologers on there and he's an incredible academic, um, a super astro nerd, and um, also unpacks all these old texts. And just the way that, that, um, that you know, the, I'm not, my ego doesn't work like that. Like I don't, I'm not, my brain doesn't work like that. I'm not someone who pours over um, and tries to translate texts in ancient languages. But there's a whole like gaggle of astrologers that do. And I have nothing but the utmost respect for them because I take their translations and their work and then unpack it for myself and for everybody else I work with. And so I'm to- I feel totally indebted to folks that are able to do that piece of it because it's something that I just 
I wasn't constructed to do that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so all of those people, like there's, you know, the whole thing called Project Hindsight, Rob Hand, Rob Zoller, Rob, um, I'm forgetting one of the Robs, but um, there's a whole, you know, you know uh, like kind of institution of these astrologers that have, that have been, yeah, it's a lot of Robs. It, they've been able to connect back into this old, these old texts that we didn't have for for like a hundred or so years um and anyways bring them back to life so all those people i'm i am indebted to someone named austin kopic has a a blog just under his name austinkopic.com and he's an incredible source of knowledge um writes really profound pieces uh and is an, an incredible teacher too um so yeah, mm. lots of folks. Wow. That is, it's so interesting to think too that, you know, um, <clears throat> that behind the gorgeousness of the work that you put out into the world, there is this, you know, that thinking, imagining or visualizing the tens and hundreds of people who are sort of like pouring <laughs> over these ancient texts, <laughs> you know, that all of that work over, over so many hundreds of years is, is yeah. what's making all of the wisdom that we're yeah. accessing possible. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah. And then just thinking about like all of the different cultural elements that had to happen in order for us to have this work like that you know that astrology was um you know kept in all of these different languages by all of these different peoples depending on who was colonizing what part of the world and what kind of religious regime was in power and how things went underground but were kept in Arabic for so long and then there's you know Hebrew translations and there's Latin and ancient Greek translations and just all of these different peoples and cultures that also influenced and added to and of course like stems from Egyptian and Mesopotamian cultures and so just thinking of all of the different influences um, I think that got really kind of extricated over the last hundred years from astrology and I think it's getting kind of re put reawakened or reimagined in a way or re-seen in a sense for its own lineage and cultures that it comes from. Well, and, and so actually that question about like what what has made that transmission of knowledge possible or what are some of the skills or choices that people made at different points along that history that made the transmission of that knowledge possible, I think is a question that we're going to want to come back to a little bit later when we're talking about, yeah. um, you know, survival <laughs> in, in <laughs> right. fraught um, and like fascist political moments. Um, right. But just to stay in, in the thread right now of, of who you are in this work. One of the other questions that we wanted to ask you is just, you know, we've certainly seen how brave you are about bringing your whole like radical gay self to this work. And we were wondering if you could talk a little bit to how astrology specifically has helped you become that brave radical self Hmm. Hmm. or be brave in the way you're showing up in, in your queer identity, in your, intersectional identity you know I don't know if it's astrology more than it's like you both and community and just like being in this moment with everybody that I see how incredibly creative and intelligent like you know the internet gives us a lot of things but it also reminds me constantly of how incredibly 
creative and brilliant um, we are as a as a people, as a you know, as a as as like a kind of coming to consciousness and things are so rapidly shared and processed and developed at this moment that it just feels like that being able to access everybody else's courage and wisdom is has been the biggest influence on me um and my my way of translating that is through astrological language um and seeing it through astrological terms but it really has been the humans around me that's that's granted me I think all of that or or lent it's like I borrow it from you you know like I like wow that is such a an amazingly passionate brave like fully expressed way of doing that like I could I could borrow a little of that courage or that energy and and be emboldened by it and and maybe put infuse that into what I'm doing um and I think that we like pass that around to each other um or at least I feel the beneficiary of that Mm. so much Mm, I love that that's amazing and you know I think that there's something um like, I really appreciate the echo chamber, right? I A friend of mine, Malkia Cyril, and I talked about this years ago of, like, we create these echo chambers of transformation um, that, like, each yeah. step any of us takes makes it possible for more of our whole selves to step forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and inside of that, some of it means navigating this boundary between the public and the private. Um, and I wanted to say I really respect how you – balance between the public and private I feel like you are such a part of our lives and we know that you know that you love and that you feel deeply moved by the political landscape and that things are happening you know that are impacting you but I also feel like you keep so much of your life to yourself and you don't broadcast your own um your own sign, your own astrology, your own stuff, you know? Um, and I feel like somehow you're navigating <laughs> At that least line. not anymore. Now we know that there was a blog spot moment in which that was happening. Oh, <laughs> yes. I know. Now we've got to go back and find it. <laughs> no, but... Um, <laughs> On the dark um, web. No, we won't. We will not go back and find your, your stuff. Um, because you're navigating this line. And so I was I was curious about like how have you kind of learned where where you wanted the boundary to be between your public and private life um and and how do you hold it and are there any are there any lessons or wisdoms in terms of that? Yeah, I just I never want the work to be about me. I want to be available to folks and I want to be transparent and I want to be open and like, you know, I always say the astrology is neutral, but I'm not. Like I'm very biased in terms of like I'm biased uh-huh. towards our liberation uh-huh. and freedom and justice and love <laughs> and that's my bias and so but the astrology isn't biased, you know. So you're getting it through my lens and if you like it, then take it, but always keep that in mind. Um but for me, it's like, I don't want it to be, I don't want to, it's, I, I am very, and my wife has helped me a lot with this. Sonia has helped me a lot with this. It's like, I am very wary of cult of personality. Like it's, uh, I want to give you the information and I want to, I want to give the information in a way that might be helpful and useful and possibly liberating for you. And then I want you to do with that do with that what you will and what you need to and so I want I want to be useful and I, I don't the way again the way my personality my ego was structured I just don't get a lot from using myself as that kind of springboard or um, 
and I'm just I'm not I'm a real introvert I'm like a general generally like a really true introverted person and so I'm I don't find myself to be the that interesting so I'm but I find the work to be so fascinating and that through my own process with the work your memes are pretty fascinating (laughs) those are just my coping (laughs) mechanisms I could sit with those memes all day. I could watch your memes. Well, yeah, like I could read your oh memes all day and send them to Oh my God, that's hilarious. Like, this is you. Candy read you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I so also good. love how much we know, like how much you love Parks and Rec. Just <laughs> Actually, I've never me. really watched Parks and Rec, but there's such memeable moments that, um, yeah. Oh, that's funny. so memeable. Yeah. <laughs> Memes are a whole like minefield, though, because you don't, it's like, how are you using that image? And like, you know, it's like a whole thing. I try not to trip out too much, but um, yeah. I try to use dogs mostly, but then I got a whole Parks and Rec thing going on. <laughs> You're doing great. Well, so so now we do want to sort of loop back out, out to this um, sort of a bigger question that that does feel related to this piece we identified earlier about the the transmission of knowledge that Mm. happens or has happened that's been enabled astrology to survive all of these thousands of years um, as a practice Um, and so this broader question is what does astrology have to teach us about how to survive the end of the world astrology as a practice that has survived many endings right right like it's right. it's a spiritual practice that has like been through multiple multiple communities that have come to an end or where their worlds have ended right through colonization through right. genocide through all these things so right um we're wondering what you think astrology has to teach us about this end of the world experience and but and and then within that like what does astrology have to say about this political moment that we're in <laughs> right now like what's possible that wasn't <sighs> possible before what's what 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 is ending and what's beginning right that I've never thought of that that's so fascinating just thinking about that west and I have to say it's just western astrology that's gone through that because um Joytish or Indian astrology some people call it Vedic astrology never had those ends so it's a obviously culturally India's always held astrology as a way of seeing a way of understanding a way of knowing life and so the astrology that I do western astrology traditional astrology and Joytish came up and out of the same kind of root system they're they're like cousins because of the trade routes between um, those areas of the world, um, they were always trading goods and services, but also knowledge systems. And so it's really fascinating to like study the ancient roots of both systems because you see the words that have been traded that aren't necessarily in um in certain language systems, but they'll be from the other, you know, language system. And um, so there's that piece of it. Um, but yeah, so the what can it teach us? I guess, you know, planets just never stop. They keep going. So there's always something, there's always another, there's always (laughs) another creation, right? Like there's always another iteration of it. It'll be a different moment. And because astrology speaks to the quality of time, then, then I guess what it can teach us about it all, it's always teaching us about the quality of this moment, but we have to live it out in order to understand it. And so 
we can look mm, at yes. astrology, you know, down the road, but we don't know who we're going to be to meet that quality, that, that moment in time. And so however it is that we've grown or developed or, or, or recreated ourselves, then we meet that moment in a, in a very specific way. And so, you know, there's, there's tones or there's, there's archetypes I can see coming down the pike in a sense. But I think astrology teaches us that we never really, we never really know how to, um, we, we, we outthink ourselves all the time. Like we, I can look at a chart, you know, it's like, I can look at my own chart and be like, oh yeah, I know what that is. And then I live it out and I'm like, whoa, I had no idea. But of course now I can see it, you know, and now I can witness it plain as day that that would happen or that's perfect. But I, I couldn't, my mind couldn't stretch to that possibility before until I lived it out. And so within the framework of astrology, we're always having to like, remember, and I think remind, I'm always trying to remind myself that I don't, I don't know the possibility of it because I haven't met myself in that time quality or that astrological moment yet. Um, Mm. And so it's always about what we're bringing to it, right? We're meeting, we're allowed to meet the moment and we can tell when things will be maybe a little bit more stressed or difficult or poignant, but it's really, it's always going to be about how we're coming to it. Um, Yeah. I love that. And I want to dive in a little bit more than inside of like this moment. I I remember around the eclipse um, last August that you were giving us a sense of like, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, I was like, whoa, you know, like it just felt like, oh, this is a really big deal. Like that we're in this eclipse season. And, you know, part of what happens is I think people start to trend and awareness starts to trend and people are like, what eclipse season now it's eclipses. Yeah. You know, it feels like, Oh, there's different kinds of eclipses happening on a regular basis. And, and we're learning about super moons and we're learning about all this stuff. Um, and I'm really curious, like, you know, so that eclipse happened and now we're in this, this sort of interesting moment. And now, you know, I would love to hear a little bit about like, Oh yeah. What's, what are we in at this moment? Where are we right. heading in the next couple of months? You know, what is this, what's right. 2018 holding for us? Yeah. So a good thing to, rem- to take note of about eclipses is that they happen, they're kind of like little families, right? So they, they'll happen in two different signs, give or take, they'll, they'll be like a third sign that pops in here and there, but they happen in kind of like two year clusters. And so what the interesting thing about the eclipse that happened, the quote unquote great American eclipse that happened uh, this past summer (laughs) is that, and I talked about this a lot in those articles, is that, you know, it happened right on Trump's ascendant and also the shadow of it, which is a very important, like, you know, astrology is born out of witnessing the qualities of light and, and depth and darkness and all of the things. So when an, a, the shadow of the eclipse falls physically on a certain pathway, uh, as it always does, if it's a total solar eclipse, then that area of the world is, is, is the eclipsing piece, right? Like it's, that's, then it's pointing to that thing. And so because it fell on 45's ascendant and because it fell literally on that kind of middle path of America um, or the U.S., that there is it's and because eclipses are about revealing the shadow or the what's hidden or what's unconscious it exposes that 
that we knew that that moment was going to be particularly exposing. Um, and what happened around that eclipse is Charlottesville. And that's, you know, right. That's right. You know, and it's not that he had never said anything like that before, or it was news to anybody, but it was such a specific blatant, um, uh, apology for or like an acceptance of Nazism and white supremacy and all of that that uh it was that that was his that's how he he used that eclipse and so then we have to see then we have to look and keep unpacking it over the next couple rounds of those Leo eclipses and to see like what stems what grows from that and because that is America's thing that is America's unconscious unconscious um that it he he was like the speaker box is for it white supremacy yeah white supremacy right. is the you know of when we call this place the United States then we're talking about white supremacy and uh and colonization and so he just like that he embodied that so blatantly and unapologetically he was exposed and unashamed and that's you know the theme of his of that whole situation but um it was like yes this is what it is there's no denying it and I think that that was maybe one of a couple but it was because I'm an astrologer and I look at those time periods I'm like that's an important pivotal moment to remember because and I think at that point maybe for white folks that was of like okay we can't maybe that was one of those like you know nail in the coffin like okay really we can't I can't maybe I can't deny this any longer I don't know but that's what that's part of what was unpacked then um, and then we have to watch what happens for the next really it's like the next year and a half um, in terms of that specific situation but in terms of this part of the world um, how we're how we're working out what got planted <laughs> what grows you know it was a new moon it was a solar eclipse so a seed was planted and that was that was what it was so how how it unfolds is 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 still to be told and how we you know meet that and work with it and come up against it but um yeah well and it's so interesting to think about um well a couple of things that what you just described made me think about one being that you know um, if an eclipse is about exposure, mm -hmm. then what is the part of astrology that sort of governs recovery from that exposure? <laughs> or what is the part of like the act the activity right. of the Integration. planets and stars that like, yeah, that, yeah. And I wonder, you know, do you, would you say looking at, you know, the activity of, of the planets and stars since the eclipse, would you say that there's been um, integration or would you say that we're still sort of in the rawness of that exposure oh good yeah I think that in terms of eclipses it's the six months in between each one because every six months we have them um, and so one happens and then we have the six months to kind of integrate it and then another one happens um, and so that, you know, but no, astrology doesn't sleep, you know, it just keeps going. So there's always <laughs> something else to mm -hmm. come, you know, and the other interesting thing that happened this year, of course, is the, is the Jupiter moving into Scorpio and the meet and it being simultaneous with the Me Too movement or the reawakening of Toronto Burke's Me Too movement and, and yeah. what that's 
how that's unfolding. And a lot of people were like, well, you know, a lot of astrologers were like, well, Weinstein thing happened when Jupiter was still in Libra. But I went back and looked at the, 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 I don't know how to say it. it's not the initial because it was happening before, but the kind of reawakening of the Me Too and the sharing of the hashtag, and it was it was exa- it was like at the first degree when of Scorpio when Jupiter had just moved into Scorpio, so Jupiter magnifies everything. Dang. Yeah, so she in it the moment. So it's a, I went back to Alyssa Milano's tweet of it, and it's like the moment of it is uh, it's a Sag rising chart, so Jupiter rules the chart. And Jupiter's in Scorpio, which is uh, if if Scorpio deals with a lot of things, one of them, which is abuse and the abuse of power and, of course, sex, sexuality, all of those things. And so Jupiter's ruling that chart and it's in the 12th house of hidden things and sorrow and loss and and uh, all things that cause just, you know, uh, disturbances to the system. So. Um, it was that was the that's the chart of the moment that it got kind of reignited. Um, and so that's also really telling wow. of needing to unpack the ways in which we are inside of a system that is built to cause harm. Mm. And given that if you're looking ahead at like, you know, between now and the end of this year, um, are there places of like, oh, this is of astrological importance or astrological warning Um, especially for those things that are, have been seeded and are growing right now. Is there, you know, stuff to be like, yeah, watch out for this month, (laughs) you know? So May, well, May is interesting because it, uh, a a planet changes signs. So Uranus, the planet of invention and upheaval and breakthroughs and awakenings is moving from Aries, the sign of the individual. So it's been in Aries for about eight years and what's happened through that time in both to my biased opinion both really positive and really dangerous ways is there's been a radicalization of individualism in a sense and so in when Aries when Uranus first went into Aries we had the Arab Spring summer you know fall we had that whole like uprising and there was this whole swell of like people taking back their power and using social media and Twitter to like engage with each other and say like we're not gonna And so there was that was the beginning of it. And of course, we've, you know, seen lots of different movements that have happened in the last eight years that have been really important and really about people understanding that we're all leaders. We're all about, you know, that. And so (laughs) and then, of course, there's also been the radicalization of white supremacists and the individualism, the like, you know, the American uh, individualism of like you can't tell me I can't you know I have to be nice to anybody <laughs> I can do whatever yeah. I want um, right. I have to so have my gun that. and I have to do my own yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I can yeah. be racist and it's legal and all that mm-hmm. and so there's like th- that's also been kind of really up for us to understand and say well what okay so then what is our what is our commitment to each other what's our responsibility also to each other to a community so Uranus is moving from Aries into Taurus and Taurus is of course about the earth and about resources um, and so the, so you know when I look at it it's like the, the most positive manifestation of that might be the um, the development and the invention of utilizing the earth's resources um, in a very uh, free and open kind of way. So technologies um, in terms of power could be really, really incredibly innovative and important. And of course, 
we already have a lot of that and it's not being utilized or it's not being it's not accessible to most people but that would be like a great you know like how do we like really reinvent how we're working with the earth um and then on another level it can be like the yeah there's a you know because of climate change there's a lot of disruption to the earth and because there's disruption to the earth the powers that be can really use that crisis um to their benefit um, and control power so you know and saturn is also in capricorn another earth sign and pluto's already there so there's a lot about dogma and becoming too interested in in structure and centralizing of power um and so those are the warning you know those are the red flags for for not only me but most astrologers well that one i remember you saying that um in an earlier conversation and has really been helping me navigate Mm. this year um you know, Autumn and I both do yeah. facilitation and in facilitation spaces, it's like, what do people do when they're feeling nervous or when power has gotten shaken? And a lot of times it's like, how do we firm up the structures mm. and like make yeah. our structures super, yeah. you know, super solid um, when actually it's like, oh, actually, how do we surrender to the fact that this change is coming and the change is actually in the right direction or the change is, is a good thing. And, it, you know, so... It helps. It continuously helps me to be like, oh, yeah, like the tendency in the stars might be at this moment to get really structural. And then Mm -hmm. how do we stay really how um, do you help people um, and fluid, (laughs) fluid? Yeah. How do you help people trust that? Yeah. I mean, for me, one of the things that I've been doing is is looking at like kind of in this space, in this moment, helping, you know, like being like, how can we in this space, in this moment, like what's available to us right here and right now? Um, when I see people being like, oh, we need to build these like mega structures and and being able to raise up for people and get people to sort of self-examine like um, what happened to the last mega structure that we built, <laughs> you know, um, right. and what about the one before <laughs> that and the one before that, you know, um, and a lot of times when right. people are like when people really step back and look at mega structures, mega events, like massive, massive, massive scale things um, they see for themselves. Oh, right. Right. That didn't actually do what we wanted it to do. But the thing that has been doing what we wanted to do has been these smaller scale, precise, local um, pieces of, you know, being able to move legislation that's that's rooted in relationship and, you know, going from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does, you know, and it does help to be able to say, like, look, I mean, like literally <laughs> the stars are carrying our opposition in one direction. Right. And how do we be responsible and moving in a different one? Um Right. Because it's like it's all, you know, this stuff that we're talking about now is all earth based. So it's like, how does the movement build itself and rebuild itself? Exactly. Reshape itself around the moments. Exactly. That's incredible. Um, And actually, there's a question. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was like, are you going to flip our interview? What do you what do you you feel is people's resistance to that? Like what Mm. at the in our human kind of makeup? What do you? What do you notice mm-hmm. people get um, constellated around in terms of the fear that comes up for them? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give my thoughts. And Autumn, I want to hear what you think, too, because we, we sit in kind of different positions mm. in movement space. So in the spaces that I'm in, I think there's a real, um, you know, I ground this in the somatic work I do where we talk about like people want safety, belonging and dignity. And I think that in these moments where it's like, oh, great transformations are happening. And even though the current condition does not guarantee 
safety, belonging, or, or dignity. Um, it's familiar, mm-hmm. right? And so there's like a false, mm-hmm. you know, the survival safety, survival belonging, survival dignity mm-hmm. that we've come up with to kind mm-hmm. of get through it. And mm-hmm. it feels familiar. And so then when you're saying mm-hmm. to someone like, we're going to have to let go of the familiar mm-hmm. and kind of push ourselves off into um, what we don't know necessarily. Um, but there's a chance, like we know for sure this doesn't work and there's a chance that that could work. Um, so like the odds are ever in our favor if we go try this. Um, but I think people get a sense of like, you know, what if we fail, at least here we're kind of surviving. And so I think there's a a piece for me, and this is one of the things I love about inviting people into astrology in general, is it's like, there's always more, there's always better, there's always growth, there's always change, like Mm -hmm. how things are, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. if you're miserable, is a temporary condition. Mm-hmm. And you, there's always right. somewhere else to move towards um, and we can grow. So that's what, what I think it is. Autumn, what about you? Yeah, well, I mean, I would co-sign to everything you said. And then just I think what I, what I see a lot of from the, the, the place that I sit in my facilitation and organizing work in social movements is – that part of how racial capitalism operates on our bodies and on our spirits is that it keeps us really um, traumatically disconnected from a sense a sense of like the historicity of our mm. families, mm-hmm. Ooh, and so okay. it's like historicity, which <laughs> yes. I don't- yeah, it's okay. gonna be in your horoscope next week. <laughs> you know, I'm just it's like yeah. zeitgeist. Um, <laughs> sorry I'm referencing the very smart brothers article about like I've never said this word out loud um exactly. but and Love I don't it. I don't even I don't even know if that's the right word but like there is this sense like one of the things that I see often when I'm coming in to do facilitation work is that like um and this is just a small example but like oftentimes folks will be looking to me to they're, they think that they want facilitation, but actually what they need is political education that connects the movement moment that they are currently in to a history of movement work and victories and losses and some sense of like there's there's a particular trajectory that we are on and they are disconnected from that trajectory so they're they're doing right. this work in a very individualistic way that right. is like a a historical and that's just like so right. that's something i see across movement spaces but then i think that that's like that's not just in our social movements that's in our families that's in our communities right. that like we operate in these very a historical ways as though like right. uh, and and i think that that's a direct result of racial capitalism that keeps us right. point, like it keeps our eyes pointed towards a future that's not a visionary future, but a future where we can only imagine just the next day or the next year or the next number showing up in our bank account. You know, we are, we are very, very focused on survival, but only just that and not visionarily focused on what would it look like to, to imagine um, the long-term survival of my community and then of the species. And so I think that like, I think that that's one of those ways that like when you have something as ideological, as ideologically powerful as capitalism acting on all of us, like there's a, there is a set of practices that we have to have that, um, help people, 
first like confront the fact that they are in a state of fear right so this piece that adrian that you were lifting up before of say like people want safety belonging and dignity it's like mm-hmm. you know what is the thing that prevents people from having that it's it, it's the fact that they are in a state of fear in, in an ongoing state of fear at all times because like regardless of whether you are on the receiving end of like being in a police state you still live in a police state even if you're not right. like the recipient right. of that violence. Right. So it's like, right. so I think that right. like, I think that there is this piece around of turning and facing the like level of the state of fear that we're all in. And then saying together, mm. we have the right to not be afraid. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have, oh. we have the right to not move through our lives in a state of fear. Um, and I do think right. that that, you know, it ties nicely back to astrology as a practice that I think like, you know, there's a, there's a way of orienting to it. I'm sure that sort of reifies that fear state, but I think that there is another way of orienting to it. That is like, there's an invitation to be liberated from that fear state. Um, and one of the other questions that Adrian and I were thinking about, like pulling in here with you, um, if we got to it, it seems like now's the time is like knowing that that fear state is there and knowing that there's a whole bunch of us in social movements trying to work to, um, you know, decolonize our minds and, and essentially try to like decolonize ourselves out of these fear states. Like what do you think is a healthy way for people doing social justice work to engage with astrology? I mean, I'm sure you see a lot of the like, (laughs) fear-based fear-based interactions with it you've seen me in that so I'm like what 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 are what are what would be like recommendations for healthy engagement with um with with astrological practice I think I love I just I love everything you both said and I I just want to tie it back to like because everything's moving into earth signs and earth signs are so much about security and securing things Mm. that everything you said is so poignantly connected to having these planets astrologically in these earth signs and what what it what it might mean to feel to feel uh like we're able to be to to live outside of that kind of fear of of lacking but um I I think that's what it is I think it's being willing to like I, I ask everyone to acknowledge the fact that we as humans so easily project our fears onto the things that we encounter, especially when we encounter a reflection of ourselves, which is what astrology is. It's a map of ourselves. And so it's really easy to project what we most fear onto that map. And so what, you know, can we stay curious? Can we say like, yeah, that's like a confirmation of how fucking difficult that thing has been for me, how painful it has been for me. My astrology confirms that, but I'm, I'm curious about other iterations of it, other ways to work with and access that energy, what else it might be capable of, because you can always turn it, you know, like there's, it's not, you can't change these. I can't change my femur bone into a collarbone, but I can, I can work with that piece of myself in a different way. I can learn how to move with it in a different way or to respect it in a different way. And that takes time and that takes consistency. And that takes, that takes a dedication to my own discomfort. (laughs) Like I'm dedicated to being uncomfortable (laughs) because I can't, 
I can't heal and I'm also very Jewish of me, but I just, I can't heal otherwise, you know, like I, <laughs> if I'm not, if I'm not willing to be confronted or, and loved, it's uncomfortable to be loved in certain ways. Mm. It's uncomfortable, you know, all of that stuff. Like I have to be okay with being, um, being challenged and to, to also try to find a way to be compassionate with myself through those challenges. And so you know, for anyone who's who's wanting to use this practice as a tool for their own liberation and healing, it's like not we don't want to check out of the work we have to do, but we also don't want to pathologize ourselves or each other because of it. So, um, mm, mm, mm. all of the where's the curiosity? You know, like, yeah, how could I show up for this, and then how can I how what else might this be wanting to manifest itself as? Because we're all constellations of these moments. Well, I know we've we've been at this for a, a while, and I know we want to move towards closing. But um, do you feel up for one more question? Yeah, sure. Um, mm-hmm. We were wondering. This might be a little corny, but we were wondering <laughs> if you could tell us um, one thing that astrology has taught you that you feel confident you could not have learned otherwise. I think that it's it's always teaching me and it's always I'm always witnessing it as other people also learn it that that we are each made with we are each made exactly as we need to be and we're each given exactly what we need in this lifetime and that that there is undeniably a purpose for each one of us that we need to live out and that it's that it is there is an imprint that we come in with and if we choose to engage and connect with it that we will live a life that feels deeply meaningful and full of purpose and and hopefully also love and joy because there's and when I believe like I just see it when we are in line with with what that is things unfold in ways that they couldn't possibly otherwise so it's given me I think I think what I'm trying to say is it's given me an incredible amount of faith that is awesome (laughs) I know like I love that that's so beautiful um (laughs) thank you so much thank you so much for responding to the call thank you both so much and like your unique destiny and your unique offer in this moment this universe um it's like it's it's just that alone mm-hmm. is like oh yes like follow what you're meant to do and like let people really hear it and see it so thank you for doing that and mm-hmm. thanks for taking the time to speak with us and and with the people mm-hmm. that are going to be listening to this podcast and um you can follow Channy nicholas like you can look her up channynicholas.com Thanks for listening to our show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at End of the World PC. We're also on Facebook at End of the World Show. You can make a sustaining donation to our show by visiting our page at patreon.com slash end of the world show. Another incredibly helpful thing you can do to help our show sustain itself is write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are an iPhone person. Thanks. How to Survive the End of the World is produced and edited by Zach Rosen. Music for today's show comes from Mother Cyborg. <laughs>